It's part of American politics. We love our polls. From local races to the national stage of the 2024 presidential election, Matt Towery and Robert Cahaley are churning the data so you can stay informed. This is Polling Plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to Polling Plus. I'm Matt Towery, pollster for Insider Advantage with the bow-tied one himself, Trafalgar's great Robert Cahaley. Robert, how you doing? Kind of Trafalgar's only Robert Cahaley. I don't know how great. <laughs> well, you know, we don't ever, those are trade secrets we never give away, right? We That's never right. give away. So um, let's get right to the, we got a lot to talk about today. We've got no we got an impeachment vote coming up in the House. We've got new numbers in Iowa and New Hampshire. I think you have some new numbers to potentially talk about. We have Jack Smith trying to get the Supreme Court to decide everything before Christmas or, or before the, by the <laughs> beginning of the new year. We've got uh, you name it. We've got it. So let's let's start out with the, the, what the big things right now, uh, certainly politically in our world, Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, Ann Seltzer, the gold standard, standard, standard in Iowa, uh, who, by the way, I mean, she's a very fine pollster, but I mean, she has blown some uh, of those uh, caucuses in the past. I mean, I, they don't like to talk about it, but she has. We all do, but but it's not like uh, what Ann says is always going to happen. Um, and I have to say. I would assume she's got it down because she primarily polls in states that have high um, a white population and very little else. So, you know, it's it's not a whole lot of weighting involved in it. But she is considered the gold standard. So she has Trump over 50 percent in a jaw smashing, smashing. Uh, what do they used to say all the time? Bombshell poll that's being touted. Robert, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I think it falls into what we've been talking about before. It's just almost like a, a self-fulfilling thing that, like, all the, all the media just keeps hyping it up. And to me, you have to look at the bias of where the people are coming from. And whether it's the media or whether it's some of the universities, um, it, one, I think that they would love to have an election night in Iowa, where even with the Trump victory, they can say, oh, wow, you know, while Trump won, he certainly underperformed. Because what what I continue to find odd is that you and I and some other uh, pollsters who are more right-leaning don't seem to have Trump with these exorbitant numbers, certainly massive leads, but not these kind of numbers. And so I feel like somewhere between there is is a, is a little is a little margin so they can create an artificial expectation that he can fall under. Well, I mean, let's talk about because I think everyone's confused as to what happens. Let's say Trump gets fifty one percent of the caucus vote in Iowa, and let's say um, uh, maybe Nikki Haley gets sixteen. And let's say DeSantis gets maybe 20 something and the rest are smattered out there. How does that, I mean, what, first of all, they don't have a whole hell of a lot, a lot of delegates in the first place, you know, and it's not like we're talking about Georgia or Florida or Michigan or whatever, but how do those get proportioned, Robert? Well, it is, it is straight proportionality all the way down, mm-hmm. which means when you get your delegates 
if you got 2% of the vote in Iowa, you would get 2% of the delegates. Right. So where some states were going to take all and going to take all per congressional district, Iowa's proportional all the way down. And the Republicans, unlike the Democrats, don't have a threshold. The Democrats have something they can set, they set a minimum threshold. And if your candidate doesn't get that, then you have to go caucus with somebody right. else. And that's why there's a lot of movement on caucus night. That's not the case with the Republicans. Right. So let's, all right, let's game this out for a minute. Let's say Trump, because I don't, I, I've got to look at Ann's numbers to see what the undecided was. Was there a high undecided? I doubt there's very much. Um, I'd have to go look, but let's assume there's an undecided that was 5%. And let's say DeSantis is at 16 or 17. Maybe say he gets to 20 and Nikki Haley gets to say he's 16, which is a gracious plenty. So that's 36 and 51. And then you've got Ramaswamy and other candidates out there on the ballot. So the, if, if, if he performs at this massive level that they're saying he gets 51 uh, delegates, correct? Is that right? 51% of the 51 delegates. 51% of the delegates. So let's say the delegate number really isn't all that big. So nobody's going to walk away with a massive number of delegates in Iowa. And it's going to, no matter how it turns out, they're going to be saying, well, but he only has seven delegates or 12, whatever it ends up being. Right. There's, there's no massive delegate lead to be had because it's proportional. Right. And then let's talk about New Hampshire for a minute. I know you've been polling in New Hampshire. Any preview of what your poll might be showing in New Hampshire? Yeah, I think I think you're going to see um, one that is going to show a little more of a leveling out among the the non-Trump candidates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there there's a uh, a real sense that you know s- some of the polls have just certain ones way ahead of the others, um, and I, I think I think you're going to see a, a more le- a more level b- between, um, but from Haley all the way uh, to Ramaswamy, but uh, certainly Haley is in second, and um, uh, Christie third, uh, and DeSantis fourth, and Ramaswamy fifth. But that's all I'll reveal right yeah. now. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, the big question in New Hampshire is, does Chris Christie stay in? Because if he were to get out, that might give Nikki Haley, particularly with this large, we talked about this on the last show, that is that in New Hampshire, the largest percent of registered voters, and they register by party there, are registered as unaffiliated. So they can vote in either primary. Now, whether the Democrats have been hard at work stacking the deck by getting their folks to register as unaffiliated before the October deadline that was set by New Hampshire. Yeah, because they knew Biden wasn't going to be in this thing well before the October right. deadline. So that makes a lot. But it's sense. really hard for us to get in there and figure out what that number is. Um, I tried to do a re- little research yesterday. It looked like to me the number of unaffiliated voters had gone up a bit. So that might suggest a little bit of Democrat playing in the Republican primary. But, you know, really the bigger issue is you have Christie, who after the last debate, oh, excuse me, there was a debate, got up and ran as fast as Chris Christie can to New Hampshire and um, started campaigning. And unless he gets out of New Hampshire, 
that doesn't give Nikki Haley the consolidated vote that she needs to make it look like she's a challenger to Donald Trump, does it? No, I don't think it does, because one of the things he did uh, effectively, I thought, during the debate was he hit her on her support for Trump, even if Trump were convicted, saying that, you know, she was one of the ones who raised her hand that said she would support him, even if he's convicted. Now, there are a lot of never Trump type votes in New Hampshire. And so he may be separating some of those from her. I know that we saw in our most recent South Carolina poll a little migration from some of the most anti-Trump Nikki supporters to Christie, and it wouldn't surprise me if we if that's part of what's going on in in New Hampshire as well, right. because he kind of pointed that out. Right. Well, so let let's play this out for a minute. So Iowa. Let's presume that Trump performs maybe not as well as this uh, as Ann's poll or some of them have, but maybe so. Let's give him let's give him 48 percent of the, quote, delegates. Then he goes to New Hampshire, where what would you think his base is? And in, 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 without giving too much of your own polling, what would you think his base is? What can he count on in New Hampshire percent of the vote? Hey, I'd say between 40 and 45 percent of the vote. Right. Yeah. Which, which which, by the way, this has been my theory about 45 and that is that every state that I poll him in, it looks to me in these Republican contests, it looks to me like he has 45 percent of the vote between 40 and 48 percent, but usually right around 44, 45. Now, that doesn't give him the majority, but there, there are enough characters in this race for so long that I don't think it takes away his advantage even as these candidates begin to fall away, because you think about Ramaswamy, for example, when he leaves, that's mainly going to go to Trump. Um, And a lot of the DeSantis, if he doesn't survive, a lot of that's going to go to Trump. And so to me, people say, you know, what do you predict? I had to predict for the Fox affiliate in Tampa, make predictions. And it's always hard to make predictions. But I said, well, I think basically that something we don't know happens. Um, and it can't be him being put in jail because that all that's going to do is run his numbers up even higher. Well, he's going to be he's going to be the nominee nominee. But the media is going to try to, as you alluded to earlier, Robert, they're going to say, look at this. He's underperforming. Have the wheels fallen off Donald Trump's bus? Is it coming to an end? I mean, you know, you can just hear it, right? There wheels on the bus. Are <laughs> we didn't. I wasn't trying to get Robert to sing, ladies and gentlemen. But wonderful job, Robert. I'll I'll be cutting. I'll thank be you, I'll you. be helping you with your first release next week. Um, all right. So we've talked about New Hampshire. We talked about uh, Iowa. There's really not much else that we can say right now about any of this stuff. Um, I, I did ask you a question about South Carolina because you are you are the expert on South Carolina. You lead everybody, and I asked. How many districts, because South Carolina does a weird thing. They sort of, they give a, a certain amount based on the proportion of the vote you get, right? And then and That's then congressional right. districts for each well, one you carry, half, right? Okay, so it's winner take all. Half the districts, I mean, half the delegates are given to whoever wins the state. Right. And then the other half are divided by congressional districts. Right. So, for example, going all the way back to 1992, Pat Buchanan won one congressional district. Right. 
and got the three delegates from South Carolina. So, I mean, we've always had weird stuff happening. So what I would expect is that probably Haley has a real shot at the first district, which is in Charleston, uh, the sixth district, which is Clyburn's district, which is partly in Charleston and partly in Columbia. I would say those are the two that she has the best shot of winning. Next tier would be second district, which is Columbia, uh, Lexington area. And, um, but the others, I think, are just going to just, Trump are kind of going to run up the score in most right. of them. It's a, and so basically, so we're getting a little deep in the weeds today. We don't usually get so detailed this early out, but, but I think people are needing a little clarity because the, these these races are coming into focus. My theory is none of them really matter, other than maybe South Carolina, um, because. But the one thing about that, mm-hmm. Matt, is is when you get if he were to win everything but two congressional districts, that is basically him taking a massive amount of the delegates, right. and so that would be the first. A race where he just took so many delegates because of the winner take all nature, right. and then and then leading into kind of setting the trend. And then a week, you know, a week and two days later or three days later, you're going to have Super yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. South kind of tends to project on Super That's right. Tuesday what it. Did. That's right. I think I think that if he can survive media uh, hype that oh he didn't go as well as it could in Iowa, which I don't know how the hell it can. I, I did look, I, I've been polling these places and I just don't have Trump as high as these other people do. And I know he gets upset, but it's nothing personal, Donald Trump. Uh, it's just the way the numbers are. And the fact that you're leading and that you're doing as well as you are with every jurisdiction in America trying to put you in jail and them trying to take all your money away from you is a miracle. And so you know, it's not taking anything away from him. It's just for whatever reason, our numbers, your numbers are the same. They just have not been as robust for him. I think it's, well, I could guess. I don't want to, I don't want to put any ill motives on anybody, but I think it's the way others collect their data and then, and then the way they weight it. So let's move on to some of the other big topics next week. Okay. The house of representatives steadily dwindling down to a Republican majority of two, three, uh, soon to be none, um, has two things on their plate. One is to vote on an impeachment inquiry. Now, uh, we learned yesterday that Jamie Raskin, who the ranking member on the committee, uh, 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 I think it's on, is it on the, uh, is he on Jordan's committee or is he on um, uh, Comer's committee? Raskin. I feel like he's on judiciary. Yeah, I think he is. Maybe wrong. Is. So anyway, that you. So he has been briefing members, Republican members, about the other side of impeachment. Well, last night while I'm watching Brother Sean Hannity on on the air talking with Jordan and others about the impeachment, I'm looking at my phone where I check all my news, and sure enough, up pops a story by Axios. One of the eight zillion new news sources in America, all of which have a left of center uh, uh, basis based on ownership and based on editorial past. And not to say it's negative. I think some of their articles are very good. And I like the way they break things down. But 
<laughs> Amazingly, Axios has this whole story about how, well, the the Republican narrative on, on impeachment uh, isn't everything they claim it, 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 it is. And this is a chance to go through and say that, oh, the guy who was uh, the... Um, uh, the, who was the prosecutor in, in uh, Ukraine, uh, he actually wasn't, he really was crooked. It didn't have anything to do with Joe. It didn't have anything to do with Burisma, Burisma. didn't have anything to do with Hunter. This guy was bad. The whole international community knew that. It goes through this whole list of stuff. Of course, it never examines the fact, that was a key question, how do these people have 20-something, 30-something million dollars, and they're not doing anything? But that, you know, that's not... <laughs> the goal here. <clears throat> so now the question is, are we going to get down to, we already know Buck from Colorado is not going to vote for the impeachment inquiry. So now you're down to a very narrow margin. And I think what Hannity asked his guest last night is, will the Democrats and Democrats come over and say, we're for an inquiry in marginal districts that they have, uh, in part to try to send a message that Biden needs to go. Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, and that's one of the kind of the telltale signals we talked about that that they've kind of moved on from Biden and that they're trying to push him out. I, that would not surprise me at all for them to draw that hard line, say, saying, one, a vote to have an inquiry is not a vote to impeach. It's a vote to investigate. Right. And... And this is and no and no dem you know and as a Democrat I'm not opposed to looking into things. Uh, that would be the first little hint. Right. And I, I like the way the speaker put it, and I thought it was important when he said that no vote the House takes other than uh, to declare war is as important as this. It it really kind of after. after saw two willy-nilly Trump impeachments, right. it really kind of is shows that he has a greater deference and respect for this process than, than was had before. Well, I'm going to predict something that no one wants to hear. I'm going to predict it fails by one vote. And then I'm going to predict that is probably the luckiest thing that ever happened to the Republicans, because I have never seen an impeachment particularly when the Senate was stacked with the other party that has done anything but help the incumbent president. And so, you know, it's almost like they may get the, when Matt, yeah. Matt, you talk about impeachment, like there's been 40 of them. Well, <laughs> well wait a minute. We had two or three. We had two or three. There's only been three. We had, no, 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 we've had more than that. We've had, we had Andrew Johnson. We had Bill Clinton. Yeah, but you, you weren't alive. We had two. Of course, I was alive for Andrew Johnson. <laughs> he, oh, he was, I forgot you found I, the you 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 found the postulium fountain of youth down in I, Florida. I, 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 de I debated Andrew Johnson in high school. No, but I mean, look, let's let's be honest. Okay, so I was I was I was pretty there and involved during the Bill Clinton thing, which I thought was stupid, 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 and I argued with everyone about it. I, I used to do Chris Matthews show on CNBC and I'd go on and here I was Newt Gingrich's person. And I'm saying, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think Chris could ever quite figure that out, but it's because. How, how, did, um, how did, how did Gingrich take that? 
Well, okay, I don't want to tell any tales, but I, I, I can tell you. I just want, I just wanted to give you an impression. Oh, Newt, and Tower, you're an idiot. You're just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you just, I mean, I, I am just baffled at some of the stupid things you do. It just amazes me. <laughs> no, he didn't say any of that. Although, that's <laughs> oh, Tower, Tower. He never has called me Towery except for one time when he was truly mad at me. And then he said, Matt, I want this. I'm like, okay, you got it. You called me by my first name. That's a shocker. Um, but you can't read about any of that in Joe Gaylord's book. <laughs> back to back to back to reality. No, I, the Clinton thing was a mistake. And all we did was energize him and, and get his numbers back up. And, you know, it was it may have been justified, I, I, you know, but boy, this one. But it, but it probably wasn't. I mean, that's the whole yeah. point. Well, we were you in know, a different day and time, you Robert. Look at you know, all of them. Different day and time. You look at all of them, yep. though. You look at Johnson, Clinton, both Trump impeachment. Yep. None of them were, were for anything like Biden did. Right. I mean, and I think, again, I agree. I don't think it's going to help Republicans to impeach him. I think they'd be much better off to look into mm-hmm. it and then say, here we have the evidence and we're presenting it to the public. We're not going to vote to impeach this guy. We're not going to vote to send this to the Senate and create this trial because we don't think that that people in any kind of courts should be deciding who the president's it that the presidency should be decided by the right. voters. So let's shift for a minute to the Ukraine. So the other oh, the boy. other big vote coming up. Now Zelensky is in DC again. He makes <clears throat> he makes more guest appearances than some of those uh, substitute hosts Joan Rivers made on the Johnny Carson show. He's on all the time coming back for another appearance is Zelensky. Now he's skating on thin water though because Unlike this impeachment thing, it's it's really hard for a Republican period to say, oh, I want to fund the Ukraine, but I don't want to tie securing our own border to it. Don't you agree? I do. And what I don't understand is why Zelensky hasn't figured out that if this is if this is the Republican hangout, it. Why does he care? I mean, literally, if, if he wants his money, why does he care if money is put on for security? Well, because obviously, it's, it's because almost. the Democrats who he's thick with, who are helping fund this thing, he knows that they don't want this. They want an open border in the United States. It's no secret. We have an open border. They say it's a secure border. It may be a secure border, but it's also an open border. Anybody can get into but it. If, and... But if my if my country is being attacked by a foreign country, and all I got to do is say, "Give them the border money to get more from my country," I'd say, "The hell with that! Give them the border money. I just want my well, money." Well, I got a better idea. Why don't they adopt uh, the Biden administration's view on borders and quit calling it an invasion and just welcome them on in? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like <laughs> give all of this, all the Russians, yeah, just give, them asylum. give them asylum and let them stay there. And, they, and, and if they want to go home, that's fine. If they want to overtake the government, that's fine. Because after all, that's basically what we're saying in this country. You just 
show up in five years and we'll adjudicate whether you're supposed to be here and whatever you want to do while you're here. Well, that's your business and how you live and set your business and how it's paid for is the cities that tax their people and the groups that will give money to you, mm-hmm. which is just in, insanity. Why, why not have asylum-seeking Russians rebuild the Ukraine? I think, <laughs> I think that might be a good idea. So I, I think this one has a better chance of holding with the Republicans. Now, I may be totally wrong. I'm not, uh, you know, there used to be Kremlinologists. Now you need to be a House Republicanologist because that's such a wacky group up there. Um, and not because, as any disrespect to them, I think that individually these are really, I mean, I think Jordan's great. I think he's a brilliant guy. Comer, I think, is very smart. I don't think he makes a great presentation. Um, I think that this new speaker is very impressive to me. And I think, by the way, kudos to the outgoing speaker, McCarthy, who, in my opinion, performed better than I ever expected him to, and who you informed me, which I did not understand, that he's leaving in December because had he waited until January, the governor could have appointed someone, and if he left in December, there has to be a special election. Isn't that the case? Yep. So he's, he's he's timing it right. I mean, you know, obviously it'd be better for the sake of having a seat for him not to leave. But at least it will be vacant long and it will be filled by a Republican because it's just that our leaning of us. Well, it's, it, I think it's a shame that they're losing him because he's a smart guy and there's institutional knowledge. And there's also from being speaker over a period of time, there's that gravitas. But that's his call and his business. It's just it's getting awfully thin in there after the Republicans kicked out Santos. But but the, the Democrats let Menendez who is constantly being challenged by ethical issues, by the way. This isn't his first rodeo. I remember Johnny Isaacson, my friend, uh, was head of ethics and had to deal with Menendez before, as I recall. That's just my recollection. But, you know, it's just yep. how the Republicans operate. Oh, we got to be clean as a whistle, Democrats. Hey, well, we'll let the courts figure that out. It's just, it's just the way they do. Let me press on. So we got the Ukraine out of the way. <laughs> We're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff here today. We got the Ukraine out of the way. We got, we we got, we've got uh, the, the whole issue of impeachment out of the way. So I, I guess the last thing we talk about is um, with, with the Republicans where they are. And they think that they are riding high. I mean, every single poll that comes out just seems to show that Biden's doing worse. But there is something going on that I want to point out. The Fed signaling that they are going to start beginning rate cuts, started sort of a Santa Claus rally in the stock market. Then the government came out and said, wow, you know, unemployment continues to go down. Employment is it's much better than we thought it was going to be. And then I don't know what the CPI number was today. I'll find out in a second. But uh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's CPI or if it was um, the other. But what, one of those numbers came out today. And the, the, the concept is that somehow, although most Americans in polling say that they're not doing worth a damn in their life, but somehow Bidenomics is beginning to kick through and things are going to be better. Now, my question to you guys is, um, is, is that the case? Do you think that the economy might actually become good enough, better enough to to allow for this sort of recovery? Well, first, I think that 
the one of the things we're looking at is from what I've been told is he today uh, when the Fed meeting is going to happen, that he's going to kind of throw a little bit of cold water on the idea that they're going to start cutting rates, that he, he thinks the biggest mistake they made uh, the last time inflation was so high was to cut rates early and and not solve the problem. So I think he may throw some cold water in. Even though I don't expect him to do anything today, either raise or cut, I think he may throw some cold water on the idea that they're going to cut uh, two cuts next uh, well, cycle, well, 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 which is kind of what the street Well, the thinks. numbers, uh, and I'm looking at it as we speak, inflation slowed to a 3.1% annual rate, and the market is up by – uh, well over a hundred, almost 120 points. So the, I think this is one thing Republicans have to think about. And that is, is there the risk? Is there the possibility that um, the economy starts to look stronger because the Fed starts pumping money back into the system and the rates go down? People start buying houses more. And somehow Bidenomics ends up looking like it's a winner rather than a loser. I mean, that's a real possibility, Robert. It's a real possibility, but what's more likely is even if they start cutting rates, what happens is it takes usually four or five months for the economy to catch up with the rate cuts. Um, And at the beginning, when they start cutting rates, the people who can buy houses are the people who can afford to buy houses. The people putting bananas on their visa card aren't the ones that can afford to buy houses anyway. Well, that may be true. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I, you know me, I've been burned too many times by the exuberance on the Republican side of listening to the conservative echo chamber and believing the rest of America hears what you hear. Now, one more thing we got to talk about. And the liberals do the same thing. Well, they do. But, but as problem. I told you, Robert, they have created more news organizations in the last four years that someone like me, who's a news junkie, who doesn't just go to Newsmax and Fox or to Breitbart, which I love Breitbart. I think they're excellent. But I go to every kind of all these places. And I'm telling you, there are last night I'm reading a story from something called the, the Florida something or another. Never heard of it. And it's a story about how Republicans, you know, really don't have the great morals that everyone thinks. We're talking about this Florida chairman down here, the GOP, who's in trouble because of his, he and his wife are swingers or whatever. It, this, it's <laughs> everywhere. It's pervasive. Their, their news is everywhere. And conservative news gets put in a little bitty bucket. So to the. No, no there's, there's no question that the conservatives have not caught up. And, you know, part of the problem is there's so many people who do get stuck in those echo chambers. I mean, you know, you and I watch a lot of different kinds of broadcasts and read different kinds of articles. But, no, it it is overwhelming, especially the people who depend on Apple News or Alexa to get their news. Is You know, it's just almost like that Chinese theory of you shoot. You know, you can't shoot one missile and take down an aircraft carrier, but if, if they shoot 10,000, we can't knock them all out of the right. sky. Yeah. And it's almost like they're thinking news that way. If they put up all these ones, 
then ours would get lost in the in in in, in the, all the loud. So there was one loudness that clearly backfired this last week, and that is those presidents <laughs> of the Ivy League universities and colleges appearing before Congress and refusing to say that the statement favoring genocide of the Jews is a is it would violate their policy. Uh, whatever, DEI, whatever you want to call it, their policy at their university. And they each parsed, they obviously it all coordinated what they were doing because each one of them said, well, that would be based on, what was the term they used? That would be based the on the context, the context. So, you know, it didn't take very long for. Yeah. And imagine, imagine every, the same slogans where you replace the word Jew with a race. Yeah. Yep. Or a sexual orientation. Right. Can you imagine? W- would they have said the same thing? And I think they would not have. No, they would not. And I don't know how in the world that would have been allowed. Or it, to me, what I thought was even better was when Saturday Night Live decided that they were going to double down. Did you see their their? They called a cold start or cold piece because it starts before the actual show where they had um, someone playing each one of the college university presidents and then someone playing Elise Stefanik. Did you see that? I, I have not seen the clip well, of that. It's, it's, it's almost painful to watch because the young lady, the actress who's playing uh, Stefanik is She's very animated and, of course, trying to make a fool out of her asking a legitimate question. And then, and then each one of these university presidents seemed to be very cool and even calm and said, well, that would be based on the context. Well, I don't understand. It wasn't funny. It blew up in their face. And now it, 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 people are using it as an example of this Hollywood to D.C. to New York little world they live in where they are completely out of touch with even what's funny because it wasn't funny. And to, and, and they've done some funny stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Look, so I'm, it is I'm not negative about Saturday night live. I, I look, humor is humor. And I'm not one of these guys who, when they used to do like when they, when they oh, I hate to say this, but when they had Chris Farley do Newt Gingrich, it's one of the funniest damn things I ever saw. And, uh, it was just, it is what it is. You, you got to be able to take it and they got to be able to dish it out, but it's got to be funny. And this was not only not funny, yeah, I mean, but it, it like, showed a huge problem in this country. The, the, the Trump Easter skit was one of the funniest ones that I've seen this year. <laughs> I mean, last season. So, I mean, I, you know, it really does bother me that they would sacrifice humor for politics in this way. Well, this one, uh, of course, the universities, the the university pres- uh, uh, faculties have rallied around the president there, um, which, of course, it's funny. They say we need to have academic freedom. We need to have freedom to do what we want to do. We cannot be controlled by the donors, uh, nor by the alumni, nor by Congress. Well, then who the hell is supposed to control things? That that bunch? Who have tenure, and and 
Well, I, I, I love telling them they can't be controlled by the donors. That's what they say. That sounds great. That's what they say. Well, you know, hey, Elon Musk can tell people you can't blackmail me with money, but don't expect me to believe that a university cannot be moved by donors. Well, well, look, I have, a, I, have a, they'll do I have a question for the new speaker. Is there money in the coming budget that goes to research at Harvard, MIT, or any of these other schools? And if there is, why don't you pull it? You know, the Republicans just don't put their money where their mouth is. I mean, that, it, it, I will say this. They could have used the... Because that, that could never stand up for a standalone vote. There's no... You're exactly right. On a standalone vote, how are the Democrats going to defend Ivy League universities getting caught, getting money from... Absolutely. Know, from- when they discriminate against people on top of that, because now you have to be a certain type of person to get in, and it has to be, and it can't be... Another type. It's just, it's insanity. But it is what it is. Uh, I get it. I have. Well, and I think one of them resigned already, didn't Yeah, the MIT. Uh, no, I think the, uh, no, the Penn president. Penn, yeah. yeah Penn. Um, but I'll tell you why that happened, by the way. Because the Wharton School of Business is their hallmark. And that portion of the university turned on it. And that has not happened at Harvard. And it has not happened at MIT, but that's a unique situation. Imagine if the Kennedy School of Government turned on this president at Harvard. She'd be gone in a minute. Or if Harvard Law turned on her. But instead, they've circled the wagons, which, which they generally do. You know what I've done, Robert? I've not even tried to find out what my alma mater in England, Cambridge University, has said about any of this. Because it would only caused me probably to be very upset. Although I've never, not read any controversy there. So I have to guess that being older than Harvard and MIT and Pennsylvania may have come in handy for them because maybe they have the wisdom that comes from being one of the two oldest universities in the world. My guess. But don't tell that to the Harvard folks. They don't, they think they're, they're the Kings. All right, Robert, been fun. Um, we always leave with the sports issue. Sports issue of the week, Kansas City playing. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say the Cowboys beaten um, so soundly the Eagles. But no, we got. Yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm good. I'm happy for the Cowboys. Uh, but controversy in the NFL. Uh, you had Kansas City playing. Um, uh, who were they playing? They're playing Buffalo. Buffalo. Yes. And they, you know, last minute seemingly score a touchdown to rescue the game. And then suddenly the refs say, no, uh, a guy checked into the game, lined up offsides. Now we both saw the video and he, he did line up offsides, but the controversy that came thereafter is that there's, there's video of the referee uh, sitting uh, right when the guy checks in, watching him line up offsides. And the question is, does the referee have an affirmative duty to say, what do we need to get behind the line? Well, I mean, that's the whole point of checking in. Um, a lot of the line check in to you know, let them know they're coming into, into the position. And if, you know, it seems to me if, if the ref sees you lining up all sides, the time to call that is one, you, you can call it immediately to you can just indicate to him that he's all yeah. sides. But don't let a play like that completely unfold. You know how they always talk about something being a free play? Because the flag got thrown at the beginning. Yep. 
The flag should have been thrown at the beginning. Yep. Before the play even even went off. Yep. That's and the play actually shouldn't have even gone right. on. Exactly. Well, I just, and it's a shame because it's an important game. It mattered a lot about seeding and everything. I mean these 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 are games that matters. You know this this isn't you know this isn't the the, the Falcons playing the Panthers. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, the Falcons, the Bucks, the Saints. I think they're in a three way tie to 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 win the NFC South. I think the Bucks are number one in a tiebreaker. Nobody has nobody a has a winning record. record. NFC South is just terrible. But you know what, Robert? The South will rise again. <laughs> well, the NFC East is also the South because Dallas is the South. All right, brother. Great time talking. We'll be back next week with more Poeing Plus. I'm Matt Towery with the Bowtied One, Robert Cahaley, uh, wishing you a great week.